Well, good morning, Hilton Head Island Community Church. I want to first of all thank you so much for for joining us here today uh, live online. Um, These are incredibly unusual days. They're almost strange and almost surreal days that we are living in with this crisis. And uh, I got thinking the other day uh, that uh, we came into January of 2020 um, with so much hope about this year, this kind of banner year, this, this new decade, and um, all the newness that came with it. And who would have ever thought um, on January 1st of 2020 that we as um, our population worldwide would be faced with a pandemic um, of this nature? Who would have ever thought Um, that we would have to be quarantined or at least put in some sort of isolation um, for days and weeks on end? Um, Who would have ever thought that the stock market would fall by 30% on January 1st of 2020? Who would have ever thought that Tom Brady would have been a Tampa Bay Buccaneer on January 1st, 2020? Who would have ever thought that we as a church would have to meet like this? online? Who would have thought that we would have had to greet each other with social distancing, a word that we didn't understand, didn't even hardly have on January 1st, 2020? So much has changed in these last few weeks, and in fact, in these last few days. These are unusual times. These are extraordinary days. And I want to encourage you this morning. I want to, first of all, um, just kind of give you a word of encouragement that those of you who are joining online, whether you're joining on Facebook Live, a little shout out to the Facebook Live audience. Um, If you're joining on Instagram, a little shout out to our Instagram audience. Thank you so much for joining there. And then there's a group of you that are joining on our website. And I just want to say thank you. And I want to give you a word of encouragement. Way to go. Because during this time of um, where we're kind of forced in some ways, uh, there are guidelines put in place and in some places laws put in place where we have to be isolated. Um, You can be isolated and you can be alone, but it's a choice to stay disconnected. And you all who are joining in, whether you're joining in live or whether you're joining in an hour from now or days to come, I want to thank you and I want to encourage you to keep up meeting together to keep up connecting online. I know that there are unusual days, but we can choose. We can choose whether or not we are going to be disconnected or not. And I'm so very excited that you have joined. I had someone text me last night, and they, they asked um, what they could be doing for, for me um, during this time. And I said, man, thank you so much for texting me. If you could just wake me up from this nightmare, that would be great. Like, that's the way um, a lot of you probably feel. And, you know, I got thinking about that. I got thinking about the fact that, like, for, for us in the Western world, um, yes, this is very kind of, it's, it's kind of something that um, kind of is debilitating in so many ways. It's debilitating maybe for our business. It may be debilitating for, um, you know, some churches and that sort of thing. It may be debilitating for your family. You can't get out and do what you normally did um, in the past. But I got to be honest, like suffering is a very difficult label to put on this for those of us who are in the Western world. Suffering is a very difficult label to put on this. But in some ways, we all are suffering. Um, We look at what's happened um, in some places like in China and in Italy and in Spain and France 
and places like New York City and San Francisco and, and Washington State. And they have gone through suffering. They've gone through suffering because of the loss of a loved one. Maybe you are listening today and you've lost a loved one to this coronavirus. Maybe you've lost a friend or maybe a friend is going through it right now. Maybe they just found out that they've got this and, and so you are suffering for them. Maybe you're suffering because of a massive loss of wealth, at least temporarily. Maybe you're suffering because of the loss of freedom that we might have, albeit temporary as well. Maybe you're suffering like we are on Hilton Head Island because we just found out over the last few days that we can't even go to the beach. The one thing that we all moved here for, the one thing that we dreamed of when we thought of Hilton Head, and we can't even do that. Maybe you're suffering because you can't find Charmin. And I get that, that's understandable. But you know, I think that this desperate days and this coronavirus has shown us a lot about ourselves. And I think maybe what it's doing is it's beginning to reveal a little bit about what we might believe about God, the view that we have of who God is and what he does. I think it's taught us a couple things. I think it's taught us about our frailty. It's taught us how, how fragile we really are. I think that this thing has taught us how, how perilous we are and how vulnerable we are as people. That there is something out there that can get us. We think that we're bulletproof, and that's just not the case. I think it's taught us as we look at all the experts who have no clue what's going on. It's taught us as humans about how much we really don't know. It's taught us about how much we really don't understand about the world and what goes on in the unseen world. I think it's taught us a lot. I know it's taught me about my lack of control and how much we are not in control and how much God is in control. It's taught us about our inability to predict the future. It confounds us. It, it, it just completely it boggles the mind as to what's going to happen. And so I think it's taught us a lot about ourselves. But I think it's also teaching us a lot about our view of God. And some have suggested and even said that maybe God is, is doing this. He's giving us this, this pestilence, if you will, um, this disease, this virus, to punish the world. I, I don't know about that. But maybe, and here's where I land, maybe God is going to use this. He's going to use this tragic situation, this horrible disease, this thing that stretches to every corner of the earth and is invisible. He's going to use something like that to draw people back to him. And I believe that he's going to use it to draw some of you back to him. And perhaps if you're watching today and you're not yet a God follower, you're not a Christ follower, maybe he is going to use this in your life to wake you up to him. And maybe you will accept him as your savior. But you know, I, I know that a lot of you that, who are watching, a lot of you who are, who are with us today, or maybe you're, you're with us after the fact, I realize that, that a lot of you probably have a view of God involving this coronavirus that maybe he's one of two things. He's either angry at us and he should be feared, or perhaps he's distant from us and we have to 
deal with this ourselves and he should be avoided. And I think those are two natural kind of thoughts about suffering as it relates to our view of God. I think those two ideas about God when it comes to suffering, whether it's personal suffering or whether it's something like this worldwide pandemic that we're faced with, that there's something to be said about it revealing these two views of God, that he's either someone to be feared or he's someone to be avoided. That's just our natural human instinct. I mean, if we look at the God of the Old Testament, he's probably someone, um, if we view it through just that lens, he's probably someone who's not to be trifled with. I mean, if you think about it, he chose to wipe out the population of the earth with a worldwide flood. He killed 10,000 Israelites when they complained about some of their kings He decided to kill Uzziah because he touched the Ark of the Covenant, something that he wasn't supposed to do when it was falling down. And it seems like God right now, for some of you, it may seem like God may be punishing us and that he is a God to be feared or he's a God to be avoided. And I think our natural reaction to these times, to a time that, that none of us have seen in our lifetime, or, or maybe just a few of us have seen in our lifetime something, something of this magnitude, I think it drives us to one of those two extremes. We may kind of conclude or view that God is someone to be feared, or God is someone to be avoided. But I want you to know today that neither of those things are true. They're not true in the good times, they're not true in the plenty, and they're not true when we go through struggles. It's not true that God should be avoided, and it's not true that God should be feared. Here at Hilton Head Island Community Church, we're we're in this series, um, we've entitled it Losing My Religion, and what we've been doing these past seven, uh, six weeks is we've been taking a look at the difference between religion and what religion tells us about God, the difference between that and a relationship with Jesus Christ, a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And so we've been taking a look at that, we've been doing it through the lens of the Apostle Paul, and we've been learning how how drastically different those two things are, how drastically different religion is from a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've been looking at what that means for us as Christ followers, what it means for those who are not yet Christ followers. And today, as God would have it, weeks ago, we planned to talk about this very topic of is God someone who is to be feared and possibly avoided? And as God would have it, we were faced with a worldwide pandemic that has brought many of us to our near knees. And over these next two weeks, we're going to be finishing out this series called Losing My Religion. And today, we're going to be taking a look at the full access that we can have with God through Jesus Christ and because of what he's done on the cross. Now, if you're out there, if you're watching online and, and you're on Facebook or, or maybe Instagram or even our website, Cynthia encouraged you on our website to go to that forum that's on that same page where, where you are watching right now or Instagram comments or Facebook comments. And I wanna encourage you to do that. We've got pastors who are, who are like monitoring that right now and responding to those comments. And so I wanna encourage you to do that today as we go on. This 
idea of a religion versus a relationship through the lens of the Apostle Paul um, is where we've been. But today we're going to take a little bit of a different start. We're going to start in the book of Hebrews. Now, some scholars believe that um, Hebrews was the 14th of Paul's letters that he wrote. Um, But most scholars um, really believe that we aren't 100% sure who wrote this book of Hebrews. But Hebrews was written to the now new Jewish Christians, and the whole book was really meant to help them understand this radical difference between religion and relationship. And, And so the writer of Hebrews talks about how Jesus undid so much of religion talks about how Jesus came, and when he died on the cross, when he rose again three days later, he came to complete the law. And so, so many of the ritualistic things that were done in the Jewish tradition now were undone because of Jesus. And they had a hard time understanding this. I mean, imagine um, like having your system of beliefs and your method of beliefs completely and radically changed just in a few days' events. And that's what happened with those Jewish believers And so the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 4 and chapter 10 specifically speak to this idea of us having all access to the God of creation, the God of the universe. And we're going to start there today because I want you to see that this seemingly endless list of rules about how and why and what like things we have to go through to access God, Jesus brought it to an end. Check out this in Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And if you have your Bibles or if you're on version, or perhaps uh, you can uh, see the screens here, I want you to follow along um, you silently and, and just read along with me. I'm reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV, Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. The writer says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin." And he ends with verse 16, and he says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. You see, the believers of that day understood that to gain access to God was a ritualistic thing that was based on laws that God established for a very specific reason, But they understood that God was someone who was distant from them and perhaps difficult to access. And that's what even today religion tells us. Religion says that God is distant and that he's difficult to access. Religion tells us that we have to go through this process of cleaning everything up. And if we can't, that we have to go through someone who is clean. We'll talk about that in a moment. Religion says that only under certain circumstances, at certain times of year, in certain situations, can you go to God. And even then, when you go to God, that he's someone to be feared. You see, when Jesus died on the cross, when he rose again from the dead, he brought all of that to completion. And it's one of, I want you to hear this, please don't miss this, Christ follower, especially during these days. This is one of the great, unique parts of our faith. 
It is one of the great unique parts of our faith that Jesus came not only to die for our sins, to give us eternity in heaven with God one day, but he died so that we could have a relationship with God at any moment, at any place, at any time, under any circumstance, yes, even a pandemic. And so he died, he died so that God would be available to us. And that's what a relationship with Jesus says. It says that God is easily available to us. That we don't have to jump through hoops. We don't have to use the right, like, you know, conditioner. We don't have to have the right, like, thing. We don't have to have this formula. We absolutely can go to him at any time anywhere, under any circumstance. God is for you. And listen, I want you to hear today, whether you're a Christ follower or whether you're, you're what I call a pre-Christian, because my prayer and my hope is that one day you would accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, but maybe you're not there, maybe you doubt, or, or maybe you're, you're a critic, and I understand that. Maybe you're cynical. I, I want to tell you that you can go to God, because part of the work of God's Holy Spirit is maybe drawing you to him right now. And we can go to the throne of grace, the writer of Hebrews says, that because Jesus has passed through the heavens, that we, as his people, can draw near, verse 16 says, we can draw near to the throne of grace. And the writer of Hebrews goes on in Hebrews chapter 10 and talks about this idea once again, but in a little bit different format. He focuses a little bit more on this high priest. You see, God's people, um, the, these new Christians who were once Jewish, they, they continued to struggle and kind of their, kind of their magnetic um, like, you know, temperament or, or their magnetic pull was back to those laws. It was back to those rules, especially with accessing God. And the writer of Hebrews talked about this over and over and over again. They were continuing to struggle with this, especially a certain group of people. Um, and what they were struggling with was that access to God before meant going to a high priest. It meant going through a priest. It literally meant that the person that had the right bloodline was your liaison to God that that person was your representative, that that person was holy because of the family that they were born into. And that was God's old covenant, but Jesus came to complete that. Jesus came to brought it to completion, and Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 speaks of this, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, do you realize that in the temple, the most holy place could only be entered by the high priest one time during the year? And they even tied a rope around his, his ankle to ensure that if he died while he was there, that they could pull him out because no one else could enter. Hebrews brings all of that to completion. Jesus brought it to completion. We have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened up for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. You know, when Jesus died, that, that day that he was died, supernaturally, miraculously, the veil was torn from top to bottom. The veil of that temple was torn from top to bottom, and it was torn. It was this thick veil that could have only been torn from top to bottom by God. There's no way that that could have been done other than a supernatural act. 
And so that indicated this new, this new um, removing of any separation that existed, any chain that existed between God and us. And he says, verse 21, since we have a great high priest over the house of God, he says, let us draw near. He uses that phrase again. Let us draw near. Let us draw near, verse 22 says, with a heart full of assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. And then he says this, let us not just draw near, but let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering Christ follower. These are our days as a church when we need to rely on him more than ever before because everyone's watching how the church is gonna respond as we talked about last week. And he says, without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. Verse 24, and let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as, in, as is the habit of some or everyone now. I'm just kidding. We can meet together like this, like we're doing today, and I want to encourage you to do that. But encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, Religion says that God is not accessible except through someone holy. That's what religion tells us. It's what it told the, the people back then, and it's what it tells us now, that God is not accessible except through someone who is holy, whether they were born holy or whether they were made holy or whether because of their, um, their compliance with all the law that they're holy. And that's what religion tells us over and over and over again. But a relationship with Jesus tells us that God is directly accessible to us. He is directly accessible to us. That we can go to him on our own. That we can talk to him on our own. That we can share our greatest frustration on our own, that we can pray for our friend who's just contracted this virus on our own, that we can pray for people all around the world, that we can talk to him on our own, that when we look at our financial situation that has been devastated over these past few weeks, that we can cry out to him on our own. And so God is accessible. And lastly, I want to take a look at Paul's message to the church in Ephesus. For our last point, he writes this letter, this book of the Bible, one of these letters that he wrote. He writes it from a Roman prison, and he writes it to the church in Ephesus, Ephesians 3, 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of you Gentiles, which is really remarkable, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive, he says, my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit." He's essentially saying here that the new message, that this new message is going to a new people, that the, that the gospel reach is being expanded beyond just the Jews and into the Gentile world. 
Verse 6, the mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs. We've been joined in to God's people. We've been grafted in, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. And check this out. Of this gospel, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, we can see that humble Paul, this man that was humbled by his circumstances right there. He says, this grace that was given to me to preach the Gentiles to Christ. And in verse eight, uh, verse nine, he says, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery, the hidden ages of God who created all things so that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to the rulers and the authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom, this is what I want you to capture, in whom we have And if you're at home, say it with me, boldness, boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I'm suffering for you, which is your glory. You see, Christ follower, we can go with confidence and we can go with boldness. We do not have to fear a God who needs to be trifled with. He is a great God who loves us. And we can go with boldness and we can go with confidence. And see, religion says that God is imposing, therefore we are timid. Religion says that God is imposing, therefore we have to back down on what we ask him. But a relationship with Jesus Christ says that God is personally approachable for us. And I want to add to that so that we can confidently ask him anything. We can ask him anything. He's personally approachable to us. You see, religion tells us that God is to be feared, that he is a God to be avoided, that he's a God who's distant But a relationship with Jesus says that God is available, that he's accessible, and that he's approachable. You know, church, I wonder, I heard a phrase not too long ago, actually read it in a book, and it's a phrase I love. It's uh, the little answerables of our prayers. And I wonder how many of us kind of hang out asking God to solve the little answerables of our lives. Those things that God probably can solve. But I want you to know that God is a God who works in the realm of the impossible. God is a God who works in the realm of the unthinkable. And we can go to him because we have access to him, because he's approachable and available, and we can with confidence ask whatever we want of him. His answer is sovereign, and the way that he answers us may not be the way that we want him to answer us, but he is a God of the impossible. And there's this great passage, and it's where I want to end today, where we see Paul giving kind of kudos, giving an encouragement for a group of Christians that were praying for him because of the suffering of he and some of the other followers. And it comes from 2 Corinthians. Let's take a look at this 
as we close today. 2 Corinthians, right out of the gates, chapter 1, verses 1 through 11. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is at Corinth with all the saints who are in the whole of Achaia, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, God of all comfort. God of all comfort. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. He says, who comforts us? I want you to hear this tonight, today. He comforts us in all of our affliction. He comforts us in all of our affliction, verse 4 says, so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. And verse 5 says, for we share abundantly in Christ's suffering so that through Christ we share abundantly in comfort too. If we are afflicted, he says, it is for your comfort and salvation. And if we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which you experienced when you impatiently endure the same suffering that we suffer. Most scholars believe that as during, in the second missionary journey, as Paul and some of these apostles brought the gospel to a new world, that they were faced with some sort of affliction. And Acts tells us that it stopped the gospel from going forth. But they were undeterred. They were undeterred. And they pushed through that. And eventually the gospel went forth. But something happened. We don't know what it was. We don't know if it was some group of people who rose up against them. We don't know if it was some kind of um, you know, world event that happened uh, in that area of the world. Um, we don't know if it was a disease or perhaps a virus that kept them from preaching the gospel as they went into Asia. He says this in verse 7. Our hope for you is unshaken. For we know that as you share in our sufferings, you also share in our comfort. And I want you to pay particular attention to verse eight. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the, the affliction that we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. Something happened to them to the point that they felt like maybe they were going to die. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He delivered us from such deadly peril, and he will deliver us. I want you to hear that verse again, Christ follower. Church, and those of you who may not be a Christ follower yet, he delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. On him we have set our hope that he will deliver us again. And here's where the encouragement comes in. It's the last verse. You also must help us by prayer so that many will give thanks on our behalf for the blessing granted us through the prayers of many. What a word that we need for our time. What a word that I believe that we need for this day. That while things may look incredibly dark, 
that we have a God that shines light in that darkness. That when Jesus came, he came to die for all the suffering that's going on. And that we can join into an available and accessible and an approachable God and go to him and ask him for relief. Ask him to give peace and comfort to those families in those regions where people have died. We can go to him with our greatest need, our deepest point of hurt. We can go to him in any condition at any time. Since God is available and accessible and approachable, we can be confident, we can be confident that he loves us and he will lead us through our most difficult circumstance. Hilton Head Island Community Church, it's time for the church to stand. It's time for us to kneel and to pray and to go to God with our greatest need. It's time for us to hit our knees and for at, to ask for forgiveness for our sins, for us to repent from our ways, and for us to go to God who loves us and has mercy and grace on us and ask for him to take this disease away from us and the world. And so I'm going to ask you today to join me in a word of prayer before our worship team comes back up and brings our service to a close. You know, there's a huge difference, a massive difference between what religion says about how we can access God and what a relationship says. I want to encourage you during these dark days to go to God at any time. And I want you to join me right now by praying. Father, I pray that you would just be with us during this time. God, I pray that you would be with those who are suffering. Father, I pray that you would be with those who are at a loss, who feel like all hope is gone. Father, I pray that you would be with those who may be suffering financially right now. From the musician that isn't getting work to the person who works at a restaurant who may be serving throughout their life. God, I pray for those who are involved in corporate America that you would be with them. All across the board, people are suffering in our Western world because of finances, but God, we're also suffering because many people have lost family members, they've lost friends, or perhaps friends are sick with this terrible virus. And Father, I pray in the strong name of Jesus that we, your people, would learn something, that we would repent, and that we would turn back to you. And God, I pray that the world would see what's going on and that they would turn to you, those who are maybe cynical or skeptical, or they question you, that they would turn back to you and they would reach out to you and that they would ask you to be their savior. God, may this situation in our world awaken us, but God, may we not be people who avoid you. May we not be people who walk through life buying the lie that we should fear you. God, I pray that we would enter the full access that you died for. God, I pray that we would go beyond that veil, that we would take that key and unlock the door and that we would go to you with anything that is on our minds, that's on our hearts. And I know that there may be some of you who are watching 
or perhaps listening to the podcast later on in the week. And you may not have put your faith and your trust in Jesus yet. And I want to invite you to do that right now, wherever you are. As silly as you may seem right now, or as silly as it may seem to you right now, I want to invite you to approach this God who is approachable, who is accessible, who loves you, who died for you, who died so that you could talk to him. I want to encourage you right now to approach him. And I want to invite you to make Jesus your personal savior. I'm going to pray this prayer out loud right now and wherever you are at home, we don't have anyone in this room, but if you're at home and maybe you're in an office building or maybe you're in the car, I want to encourage you right now to pray this prayer. If you've never asked Jesus to be your savior, it's a prayer that goes something like this. God, thank you for opening the door to you. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross for my sins. And right now, I ask you, Jesus, to be my savior. I choose right now to believe in you. I wanna encourage you right now, if you prayed that prayer along with me or something like it, I wanna encourage you to let us know about that decision. Go to our website, you can fill out that connection card where you've just watched this. You can comment online, you can send an email to info at hiltonheadislandcc.org. It's important that you let someone know of your decision to accept Jesus as your savior. It's the most important decision that you will have ever made in your life. Father, I thank you so much for these day of days, as difficult as they are, as confusing and confounding as they are. God, we thank you for them. And Father, I pray for everyone within the sound of my voice who is sick and tired of dealing with a fake God, someone who hides behind a list of rules and do's and don'ts. And God, I pray that you would help us embrace him. I pray. Amen.